0: Oh, and guess what? Somebody commented, the eye of the storm is for hurricanes.
1: And just because they commented it means they're a professional? <laughs> Are they a weather person or something? Well. A storm chaser? Well,
0: I said I was right.
1: I want to hear from a storm chaser. That Do we have
0: any storm chasers that follow our dog training educational YouTube channel?
1: Maybe they chase storms in the evenings and train dogs on the weekends. You never know. back to this week's Yawa, where we're going to answer as many of your awesome questions as we possibly can. But first, we want to take a second to celebrate, because we are celebrating eight years in business for ourselves. Yep. And that calls
0: for popping a cork off of something. So It's what I had in the fridge. It wasn't in the fridge, but I reminded her that it should probably go in the fridge.
1: Okay. It's what I had in the wine cabinet.
0: How do you get this thing. I don't even know how to open this.
1: Use a pocket knife.
0: Done. So, we are 8 8 years in business to the day today. Huzzah.
1: People probably think we're a little crazy cuz we do this every day together and we have stayed married the entire time.
0: Yes, we have. <laughs> and I'm a lucky man. It's got a smiley face on it.
1: Oh, That's I'm so cute. Show him, life. show him. It's the smiley face. No, 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 no. Okay, now you can pop it.
0: Alright, let's see if we can try and not break anything. I'm gonna
1: hold these. They're breakable. Don't aim that at me. <sighs>
0: I kind of want to do this with a sword. I should have practiced. I watched this. I watched this. It was, um, a uh, master class. It was with a sword.
1: And they chopped yeah, it open was like,
0: with a saber, you know.
1: No, I don't know.
0: Oh, here we go. You, you ever seen that?
1: No. I'm sheltered.
0: The anticipation
1: is killing me. Just it's killing pop me. it off it's, already. It's, it's, it's freaking in there. Okay.
0: Oh, uh, there it goes. That was a little
1: anticlimactic. A little.
0: But it's got some kind of cool foamy stuff. Pour a little bit in there. What is this stuff anyway?
1: I don't know. Sparkling sweet red something, something, something.
0: Something, something, something. And what are these magical glasses?
1: These beautiful glasses are hand-blown champagne flutes from my dear Aunt Melanie. We got them for Christmas a couple years ago. Hand-blown is
0: always my favorite.
1: And just because they're gorgeous, I like to use them. And if they break, they break.
0: We were supposed to like toast or something. I just went straight for the sip. Yeah, I know. To uh, business and us, and to all of you that support and follow us and have been there along the way. There's been a lot of people that have helped us. There's been a lot of people that- um,
1: Have supported us.
0: Have supported and us. Trusted and trusted
1: and believed in us. And trusted
0: and believed in us is a very good way to put it. And we appreciate you. Because we wouldn't be you. here.
1: We definitely wouldn't be here without the trust people have put in us to train their dogs, the trust that people have put in us to find them a puppy that's going to fit their family. Um, And the trust in us to help them train their dogs from home.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you all. Thank all of you. And, ching, here we go. That's kind of tasty. It is tasty. Mm -hmm. Some champagne can be a
1: little dry. You said, gonna need more than that? Gonna need more of
0: that. I'm pretty sure that this will be gone.
1: Maybe even before part two. We will see. Uh.
0: Okay. I mean, you, got, you got a sipper. I'm a sipper. Okay. okay. So, questions. Questions, questions, this questions. This is
1: the perfect question to start this week's Yawa with mm. from Bit. I'm no. ready. Okay, good. From Brit Spill on Instagram. If you hadn't become dog trainers, where do you think life would have taken you?
0: What? Seriously?
1: It was the perfect question. And it wasn't even asked to. Huh. Di- oh, oh. I just knocked the camera a little bit. They hadn't even asked it after we posted our little
0: So where would you have been if you hadn't become a dog trailer?
1: I would probably I just said
0: dog trailer. Oh, trainer. You're not you're not a hauler of dogs.
1: I'm not. Unless <laughs> you know, they're
0: puppies and you can get like three or four of them and you're like a little puppy dog trailer. Okay, go. Cool.
1: I well before I started training dogs, I was working for Sam's Club in the business office doing deposits and Mm -hmm. accounting and I liked what I was doing. I was fairly satisfied. I wouldn't say it was something I was passionate about, but I was content and had something like the dog training opportunity that we had not come along. I would probably still be doing that because honestly, I'm not much of a risk taker. You don't Uh, think
0: you would have, you don't think you would have actually gone and taught for a little while. That's what eh, you went to school for. No.
1: If I had, we would never have had Aiden. <laughs>
0: Just saying. Uh, okay. Um. And there is a. But I mean, what I was
1: saying is, I'm not much of a risk taker. So me saying, Ethan, let's start our own whatever business. It wouldn't have been me.
0: No. That was nope, him. That would not have. I was all him,
1: and I was like, Yeah, I could get on board with that. I love puppies. Who doesn't love
0: puppies? So, um,
1: where do you think you would have been?
0: I am gonna say that I would have been Well, before I left I was fixing computers for the Geek Squad. I probably still wouldn't be there, but I probably You
1: were doing some school for computer programming too.
0: Yeah, which I hated. I mean, let's let's be let's be real. Let's be real here. I did not enjoy that. I did it did a good job at it, but I did not enjoy it. Um I got to believe I would be doing something for myself somewhere. I would have started some business doing something. And in all honesty, um, I looked at uh, a good portion of the money that I made for Best Buy at the time, you know, and looked at my monthly budgets and went, hmm, even if I made a small fraction of this for myself, I would be doing all right. You know, so I probably would have started up um, in direct competition with, other computer repair places, including my previous employment position, I would have started fixing computers. Interesting. I would guess,
1: I would guess that you would have done something along those lines as well because mm-hmm. you, were, you were good at it.
0: When I was a little boy, I always dreamed I wanted to be a professional fisherman and uh, haven't made it there yet. So, Not yet. <laughs> There's still time. There's still time.
1: Okay, well, that was a really great question to start this week's Yawa off with, especially in relation to the fact that we have been in business now for eight years, which is pretty darn awesome. So the next question that I want to touch on is from J.M. Gorham on Instagram. What are your thoughts on using e collars for limiting barking? Mm. They are not the best option for something like that. Uh, Typically barking is not something that needs to be controlled in a sense of using an e-collar or even better yet, a bark collar because the timing would be perfect. But a lot of times the barking is a direct result of something else.
0: Yeah. And I'm not going to say that we don't, um, there isn't a time and a place for bark collars because they're definitely, they're definitely a beneficial tool in some situations because a cat was saying, the timing is perfect. The cor- the correction in that situation can be perfectly timed and at the right level and for every individual dog. Right. Um, but with an e-collar, actually, maybe call like a manual bark collar, um, it may be able to help somewhat with some dogs that are whiners, that figure out how to whine under a bark collar. But even that, um, all of those behaviors go back to something. And... I would say most of the time that something is a lack in someplace else of their life.
1: Because they, or they want to be involved in what's going on. Uh, Dogs in general have a very social personality, so they want to be part of what's going on. And when they're not, they tend to complain about it. And so if you can, A, give them something else to think about or focus on, or wear their little butts out through both mental and physical stimulation, then the need for that bark collar or even using a manual bark collar with an e collar should be much less. Um, and but, the problem with using the manual bark collar yes, that's is. Where I was
0: going. Oh, no, you're fine. It's, the
1: problem with using the manual bark collar by using an e collar is that you're not there constantly and you don't have the transmitter in your hand constantly to make those timely corrections. And if your dog's barking and whining and then you're like, Oh, I got to go get the transmitter. And then you make that correction, your timing's off. And then it's not as effective.
0: 100%. Great. That's tasty. But these glasses are a little bit um, cumbersome. It's like, You don't want to, like, smash
1: them into the microphone. So the glasses and the drinking aren't necessarily cumbersome. It's these giant microphones that Ethan keeps telling me I have to have, like, right there in front of my face that makes it hard to drink around. Yep. But next question, and this is a good one, from Trent underscore 14. Okay, what do we got? Did you keep thunder?
0: Thunder. Yes. Yes, we did. Yep.
1: And if you are... Are you going to do a training series? So first of all, (laughs) okay, Uh. let me just expand on Ethan's very blunt and efficient answer because that's what I do. I expand on (laughs) Ethan's answers. So yes, we can. Glad you clarified there. Expand. (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Uh, Did we keep Thunder? Yes. Are we doing another series with him? No, because we have multiple puppy training series from very start to very finish, Uh, basically the entire first year of our puppies' lives with Quest and Rogue. Uh, We have a few pieces of that entire series with another puppy named Fox and another puppy named Mac, which was like our first series. So the audio and video isn't like the highest quality, but the information is all still there. And then again we did all of the training series with another puppy Sprig even though he was a lab a lot of that beginning training is very similar to what we would do with any puppy whether it's a pointing dog or a flushing dog so
0: 100% We
1: definitely don't feel like our YouTube channel is lacking content in that specific area and we want to do we want to focus more on being able to fill in the holes and yep. add to our content where we get a lot of questions so things like the tug of war question and the things about crate training and potty training and even puppy biting if he ends up being really bitey uh, are things that we want to touch on but not do an entire series with him. However, we do and have started doing little live videos on IGTV when the mood hits us in the proper timing and situation arises with him where we're like, hey, this would be something kind of cool to throw up on live. And instead of getting all of our camera equipment and everything ready, we can just turn our phone on and video what's going on, pop in and answer a few questions for people, and then move on with our day.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And just so you know, he's got the cutest new name, Standing Stones Young Gun, calling him Thunder. We didn't change his puppy name, which we haven't done all that often, but Muddy... His mama, we also kept her puppy name, which is kind of cool.
0: Um, And uh, Vex,
1: we kept Vex's puppy name.
0: Vex's puppy name. We did not keep Nix's. Legends is different. Yeah, Nix's puppy name was Quad. Yep. Because he had four patches. We called him Quad. Changed his name. I tried to talk you into keeping Quad.
1: It was cool, but I changed it.
0: Um, Legend was changed.
1: Grit was changed because we didn't get her from our kennel. And Quest was changed.
0: Quest was changed.
1: So sometimes we keep the puppy names. Sometimes 50, 50. we
0: don't. Mm-hmm. 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 What'll uh, get next?
1: We have another question from Harrison, or yeah, Harrison Lot on Instagram. Can you explain operant conditioning and how it is used in dog training?
0: All right, this one's going to be a real easy one. Yes. That's yes. why
1: I asked it.
0: Okay. Go to the video titled "Is it." Operant Conditioning?
1: Yes. Yep. yes Operant it
0: Conditioning. It's on our channel. So um, we'll go ahead and throw it up somewhere in this vicinity so the exact title so people can search it or I don't think you can link to actual videos anymore. Um, I don't know. Whatever. In the description, it'll pop up somewhere or something so it will direct you to where to go.
1: Uh, yes. It explains how and when. we use All four quadrants
0: conditioning. and videos of examples.
1: So. Yes. So, the last question I think that we have time for in part one. I'm looking
0: at the time. We don't have any questions. We don't have any time left. We'll go to part two.
1: Okay. Part two.
0: We're going to take a short break, guys. Thanks for being with us for this first part. We'll be back shortly to uh, celebrate just a little more and answer and some more questions. questions. All right, guys, and we are back for part two of this week's Yawa. Yawa. If you didn't watch part one, you got to see why we're actually drinking fancy drinks tonight in fancy fancy glasses. glasses. So hop back, check out part one. Now, we're going to go ahead and get started with a few questions. Right after I mentioned to everybody that we went through the shirts, and I wrote this on that one, all of the smalls have been given out, so please stop sending me emails asking for the small shirts. They are gone. But, I will say, in the process of finding the small shirts,
1: we realized exactly
0: five, five, five large shirts. So, the first five people that throw a comment down below, the first five. So, check the comments to see if you are number six, don't comment that you want a live shirt, if a large shirt. Excuse me, but the first five that comment they want a large shirt. All we need to do is the comment, "Hey, I want the large shirt," and then uh, shoot us an email with your information, and we'll go ahead and ship that out to you. They are the original Standing Stone Kennel T-shirts. All they are is gray and have white uh, information on them, so they're cool, and they're the last five that exist in our house.
1: In the world, probably.
0: Well, that are brand new available for people. Yes, in the world.
1: (laughs) So get while the getting's good.
0: Perfect. Let's move on to some questions. First question
1: from Mallory Pearson on Instagram. What was the point of the toes being tied up in your stories the other day? Desensitization, question mark. And I love answering questions that from people that are watching our Instagram stories, because we put a lot of cool content on our Instagram stories, showing training sessions and just the dogs being cute. And the fact that you're following along and have questions is great.
0: So to break that down, what we're working on in those training sessions would be formal retrieving work. and. In different parts of formal work, we try and break the steps down even more. Um, Everything gets collar conditioned and we put a lot of that collar conditioning where the dog wears the collar normally, which is on their neck. And if everything is taught and then introduced with neck collar pressure, basically, um, it can be a little confusing at times. So we try and break those sessions down. One of which is with uh, woe training, we utilize a belly collar when we start that formal work. And then with the retrieving work, we're actually using, they call it a toe hitch. And you're applying a little bit of pressure to their toes as a mild annoyance instead of collar pressure to make a very um, distinct understanding that all we're working on with this pressure is fetching. It doesn't mean come to me or heel or sit or anything else. It just means the only thing that we utilize that for is fetch work. So we can work through some reps, we can teach them how to shut off that pressure by reaching and grabbing something and then we can make that transition to the collar. So that toe hitch is to be a baby step to all the ultimate end goal which would be collar conditioning to fetch.
1: It's did you mention I was reading so if you did just correct me. But did you mention it's a form of negative reinforcement?
0: I didn't specifically mention that. No.
1: Okay. We've had a lot of questions recently about like the toe hitches or our belly collars and neck pressure with healing. And I think that it would be a really good topic for us to go into depth about at another time on how those different things are utilized and why we utilize the pressure in those specific areas. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Cause, um, there are, there are a lot of questions about why, why specifically there, why specifically that over something else?
1: Yeah. So. Great question, and a lot of people have those similar style questions, so we will do another whole talk on that. Next question from James Schick, actually from our Patreon account.
0: Hey, hey, hey.
1: And he is able to actually ask us questions on Patreon, and we're going to give him a direct answer immediately, but he said this one would be a good one for Yawa. So I said, sure, let's do it on Yawa.
0: First of all, thanks, James, for being a patron. Anybody that's interested in learning about what that is, or have questions that don't actually get answered in this video this week, um, check out patreon.com slash standingstone kennels, and you can join the community there. It's set up to be able to answer your questions on the daily. I'm talking, I mean, 99% of the time we're doing it every single day except for Sundays. And then also you have the ability to video your sessions. Yep. Set up a cell phone, tripod, or a human tripod. Video those sessions. Send them over. Kat and I will review them and get back to you on what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, and where you need to go from there.
1: As well as, and this is a great place to just segue into this, uh, there's also a level on our Patreon account for people that just want to support us and support the content that we're providing for them because we actually got a comment on one of our videos of Sprig in the field. Hey, you guys should get one of those fancy dancy gimbals for in the field so everything looks a little stabler. And that's great, and we'd love to get one, but there is always a place and time and so much money to go around for new equipment and things like that. For Sure. the stuff's Uh, expensive. Yeah. So we'd love to get one. So our, you know, field videos are that much smoother, but we got to put it in the budget. So, uh,
0: all of the money that comes to us through Patreon goes directly back into creating more content for you guys.
1: Yes. So question for Yawa, what can we do to make the transition home from training? They've been following the Rogue and Quest videos, but any other suggestions? So this is a good question and something that when people send their dogs off for training for two to four months to six months to eight months of training, and they are ready to bring their dog home, a very, very important part of that process is spending time with us, enough time with us to go over everything your dog's learned in training and And to to feel feel comfortable. comfortable. Yes. Jinx
0: you owe me something. Let me think. Mm, pop. I don't want any you pop. You don't want pop. Um.
1: You just think on that. Something,
0: something, something.
1: Anyway. Um, so spending enough time to feel comfortable handling your dog using the e-collar. Uh, so your dogs just spent two to four months of training with us. They are very, Back rub. I want a back rub. Okie dokie. Uh, <laughs> They are very, very conditioned at this point to do the behaviors that we're asking of them. So when mom and dad come to visit and they get their first excitement jitters out of the way and then we start saying, okay, now we want to handle, want you to handle your dog. What happens is I say, okay, when you, for example, want Cody, which is your dog, James, to go onto your dog bed and you say, Cody, kennel, at the same time, I want you to press the vibrate button on your collar until the dog gets all the way on the bed. And you say, okay, got it. And then I go, and you say, Cody, Kennel. And I say, James, did you push the button? No, she just did it. Well, I'm glad she just did it. This time for you in this controlled environment in a place that she's been training for the last four months. But I want you to feel comfortable, A, pushing the button, and I want you to feel comfortable if Cody doesn't do it, to know how to handle that situation and know that when you get home and you're transitioning home and she's back into her old environment and you say, hey, I want you to kennel, um, and they don't, then you know how to push the button and how to get the compliance that we've taught over the last few months.
0: Yeah, the thing is that dogs are very place and situationally oriented. So they cue more off of where they are and and around the situation that you're asking a lot of times more than the actual verbiage that you're using. Um, and that will you know, stand true to going home. They go home, they try and revert back to the things that they were doing when they were in that environment previously. And if you don't feel comfortable or you just go, yeah, yeah, I feel good, yeah, yeah. That's like, a, yeah, 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 hey, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I feel good, I feel comfortable, I don't need to work on this anymore. And you don't actually feel comfortable, then you get home and you get lost and then stuff starts, starts to, fall to fall off. Fall the wheels fall off.
1: It starts to fall apart. Or everything's good for the for first couple of weeks because the dogs that have left from training have been so conditioned that they are pretty much automatic when they get home, but they haven't had the consistency then at home and the continued conditioning. And they're like, oh, well, I haven't felt the collar in a while. Maybe I really don't have to listen. Yeah, I wonder what would happen if I don't listen. And then they start pushing the envelope and then that's when the issues start arising. So,
0: And every dog's personality is a little bit different and that's going to change because there are people that say, oh, well, my dog never questions anything anymore. Well, there are dogs like that. There are people like that. But then there are also dogs and, and people that question everything always, every second they get a chance. And that takes more conditioning. When the dogs leave our program, there's been a ton of generalization They've been handled by multiple people. They have a really, really, really good understanding of exactly what they're supposed to do. And they will be borderline automatic for a while. And then when they start to figure out what they can and can't get away with, that's when some of the problems start to come back.
1: Yes, so I would just recommend setting aside enough time becoming as involved in the send home process as you can. Don't just sit with your hands in your pocket and observe and not put your hands on the situation. And um, for the and average ask person, questions. yeah,
0: ask questions for the average person. That's a few hours uh, yes. to half a day. Um, we've had people uh, to stay upwards of a couple days where they did some work in the morning and then came back the next morning. Cause there's only so much work that your individual dog can do in a day um, before we start causing issues. But um, uh, that was a little bit excessive. You know, that was a situation when someone that had, there was their first bird dog is if they're getting into hunting, they needed help with all the things. And if that's you, we're happy to help you that way. Um, and if this is your second dog and you just need a little refresher with things or, or whatever, or
1: you've had multiple dogs trained by us in the past, yep. you've, you're very familiar with the way that we handle the way that we train. And that process is usually going to go a little bit quicker, but hundred percent. It's a really great question, James.
0: What do we got next?
1: Next is from Sal394 on Instagram.
0: Hey, Sal.
1: How far apart do you typically set launchers? Hmm. This is a good one because it depends.
0: <laughs> we set them as far apart as each individual specific dog needs. Um, and that the, always sounds like
1: a cop-out answer because we use that similar que- like answer a lot. Well, it depends on your dog and every dog's different. Well, that's because they are. They're all different.
0: So, if we were to set up, let's go through a couple of examples. If we were to set up for a little puppy, I'm talking it's their first opportunity on birds. They've done the things, they're ready for it, and they're let's say four to six months old. Because we may get a bird on launchers somewhere between four and six months old, if it's yeah, here, like with in one of our personal
1: puppies, like yep. Thunder.
0: Um, and you go on a normal walk with them, and they're good at ranging out in the vicinity of. 10 to 20 yards, that course is going to have to be pretty small.
1: Because they're going to also lose focus fairly quickly.
0: Now, the dog is a little older, let's say six to eight months old, and they're fine running bigger. And bigger doesn't always have to do with it, but they cover a lot more ground because they have longer legs and they're more mature. They're bigger dogs. And they're
1: focused between birds for longer.
0: Yep. Um, You're going to be able to extend those distances out to let's say it takes you about 15 to 20 minutes to walk a three to four bird loop back to the truck. We usually set in circles because we're typically running multiple dogs and then you end up back at the truck when you're done to get the next dog to move on. So your loop would end up being somewhere in that 10 to 20 minute range, depending on the dog. And then when you get to more of a level of a finished dog, we start really spreading those birds out. So it's going to be a more realistic hunting type of situation. And even to the extent of sometimes we set in clusters where- Yes, I
1: was just going to say that. Sometimes we'll set, and usually we're past the point of launchers by that time. Yes. And we'll put a bird and then very quickly thereafter another bird so that that- We're talking within
0: like 50 yards maybe or even less, you know, so bird, bird, and then nothing and they've got to run and spend 10, 15 minutes hunting where they're not going to really find anything. And then, who? there's another little cluster of birds because that's a pretty realistic hunting situation. Um, never, unless you, not never, usually unless you go to that preserve hunting situation is there not one bird every 40 yards in the field. And yeah,
1: and sometimes you going. need to stretch them out a little bit more too so that that dog understands that they have to work for it. And we don't lead them into each launcher. They are actually independently, yep. searching productively to find birds.
0: That's an absolutely fantastic point because when we set our course, we typically utilize the wind to the puppy's advantage. So if we've got a general direction, we're going to be working. Um, we have some some mode paths that we kind of stay on unless the puppy gets clung to the path, but it keeps um, you know from completely tearing up a field if all of the motorized four-wheelers, whatever, go down the same paths, and then we set birds on the, you know, upwind side. So the wind is blowing to the puppy in the easiest scenario. And then when we get to those more advanced dogs, we, we specifically set the birds on the downwind side, which is going to force them to be working away from the paths in order to even have an attempt to find the birds.
1: And then, so. if we get to the point where we're working with maybe even an older dog that is struggling to get out and hunt, and they, you know, they're really pumped up right when they get on a bird, and then that drive and desire goes down, and they start plodding along and walking in front of you or walking behind you, um, we need to adjust the way that we're setting launchers as well to help build momentum and you know keep them excited about the task and let them know what the purpose is. Sometimes that will happen with dogs. Even if they've had a great start, uh, they go hunting for a year or two and the bird numbers and opportunities have been down because it's a bad year. And then the dog goes, this is a lot of work for a lot of nothing. And they get bored with it or tired of it. And they don't see the reward in continuing to hunt and work hard. Um, and then we need to bring that back into focus for them.
0: Now, two things with that, I would say one of which to touch on your hunting comment, because it's very, 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 very true. Um, that also falls into some of our mature dogs. Um, and then this comment falls right into the next, which finding birds is a, in essence, a form of variable reinforcement because the amount of time in between each reinforcer, which is the bird, um, changes. And it's not always, it's actually it's usually never the same. And you know, you have to find what that limit is of how often the puppy needs that reinforcement in training to be able to continue to stay focused and continue to drive on. Now, even our Finnish dogs hunt a lot in South Dakota and we'll have a dry spell where it'll be, we may walk this um, shelter belt, which I always, uh, and any of the guys that come and hunt with me will know, it's like, how long's this shelter belt we're walking? Oh, it's just up the hill, you know, it's two miles long, okay? That's a ways. And you start at one end and you push to halfway and then you start and then you push to the next half and it's a long way and there may be, Um, With wild birds, I mean, you never have any idea where they're truly at. You've got some general ideas, but they're where they are. And when you find them, you do well. And when you don't find them, you find very little. And so even my seasoned dogs that walk that two-mile stretch, if it's a dry stretch that day that we hunt it, I mean, there's you get about 75% of the way down, and we've now spent nearly an hour without a bird, and they're on the ground, they start maybe looking for some mice. I see a point, and I'm like, whoo! And then I see a little mouse go, and they kind of, you know, so some mousing can happen even with those more or distractedness can happen with some of those more seasoned dogs because they all have their limit, and they want to hunt something, and when they're only finding this off game, that can sometimes be it. And in that situation, we redirect focus. Hey, hey, hey! Come on, move on, get out of here. And then you can tell what the mouse point looks like and the bird point looks like, and you just redirect focus off of those so or the
1: porcupine point. or
0: the porcupine point or the rabbit point um but I have seen or the skunk or the skunk point I've seen some dogs that have some pretty dang uh staunch convincing rabbit points before been in hunting with them and walk in to kick out a rabbit it's like you knucklehead what are you doing?
1: I don't think that we have time for another question in this section. Ah! Sorry, guys. We will get to more questions in part three, but thank you for watching part two.
0: We're going to take a short break, and we will be right back. Welcome back to part three of this week's Yaha. Yawa. You ask, we answer. And in this question, you might be asking, why are we pouring fancy sparkling juice stuff into fancy sparkling juice containers? Well, if you want to know, you should go back and watch part one and two as we talk about it there. There. I've got one little announcement for the beginning of this one. We like to... Announcements, announcements, announcements.
1: Okay, let's go.
0: We have used bird launchers. We've had a few people ask, and I want to let you know that we have three, count them, one, two, three used DT Systems 500 series launchers that come with the transmitter. Hey, old man, don't trip over my cord.
1: Don't unplug us. Come back. Come back this way. What do you want? What are you wandering around for? Oh goodness, Grandpa.
0: Okay, go, Baba. Go. go.
1: He about shoo, unplugged shoo. the shoo. audio equipment. Shoo, shoo.
0: Okay. Okay. So we have the three launchers. Um, I will go ahead and all you got to do, if you want, there are three. So if you're interested, throw in the comments. I want one. I want two. I want three. Um, Get with us. I will get you pricing on that. It's really good pricing, so I will say uh, it's there, but it's also not something that I can post or advertise. So... It's not allowed. It's not allowed. Just throw it in the comments if you're interested in some used launchers. We're ready to move those on. We move our equipment on and recycle it on a regular basis, and this is time for the bird launchers to go.
1: Okay. Now that Ethan's done with his little sob story over here, we're gonna start answering some questions. I love this Instagram hashtag, so I'm gonna answer their question. Just bird dogging it up.
0: Hashtag or is that
1: uh, the handle? Handle hashtag what do you whatever. Call it? I don't know. I I not a hashtag. am not really an Instagrammer, so
0: well, it's not a hashtag.
1: Whatever. I like your name. Just bird dogging it up are you building a whole new kennel or adding on to the one you have
0: if all a whole new, new kennel
1: if all new will you still use the old one no so yes all new construction all new kennel everything will be transitioned over to the new kennel very shortly check out our newsletter for updates we actually just put that out today
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then you
0: can sign up on our website
1: and subscribe to that so that you don't miss really cool announcements. And it's just
0: a, uh, we, we put them out monthly. Yes. Just to give, you, give you an oh, okay. idea. More it's info. a note from Ethan and Kat. So you get some of the general information there. You also get a calendar of some of the events that we're going to, where we'll be, what we'll be doing. And then we kind of throw, every once in a while, a little e- Easter egg, if you will, some special things just for the newsletter, subscriptionettes and subscriptioners.
1: Okay. And then will we use our old one for the kennel, mm-mm. Mm-mm. I am going to get my garage space back because I haven't been parking in a garage for months now because all the stuff that's supposed to go in the new kennel is now in my garage. And then the current kennel is filled with dogs and kennel stuff. So it will be very nice to have our garage space back.
0: Our current kennel is a, a additional building was on the property when we moved in. Cause we thought we need something to keep rolling. Cause we had the kennel business before we moved to here where we're at. And it worked out great. It is a, just an extra garage building. So once we move stuff out of there, we'll be able to move garage stuff into the garage.
1: Yes. Another question that has a lot to do with training in the kennel is from noel.vo1 on Instagram. How do we send my dog to you if we want you to train her? Awesome. So a really great way to start that process off is to send us an email. We are really good about getting back to emails, and then we can start that conversation of what your goals are, when we have availability. We are typically around six plus months out for training spots because we limit the number of spots we have available. Uh, We believe in quality versus quantity of dogs that we get in for training. So we want to do the best job we can with each dog that comes in, not just roll a whole bunch of dogs through the facility. So um, that limits the amount of space that we have available, especially because our minimum requirement stay is a minimum of two months. Um, but typically that's closer to three months and some dogs stay longer. So that also takes up space in the kennel for a long amount of time.
0: hundred percent. So if you're interested, definitely reach out to us, shoot us an email or a message on one of the social platforms, but thanks for the question.
1: And then this was a cool question. I just want to say from Lexi underscore bean two on Instagram, no, this isn't really a Yawa, but can you make a YouTube video with all of our dogs in it? And I think that that would be a great idea. We kind of just did a recent video on why we love short hairs and we featured quite a few of our dogs in that video, but it would be really fun to do kind of a highlight video of all of our dogs because we love them so much. So thank you Mm. for the suggestion.
0: We'll try and see if we can do that. It would be kind of fun. Um, There's often a good time, if we don't have pregnant mamas, we could do it, um, where we could run them all together in the field at one time. And you would see all, um, depending on who we have and who can run with it, but we'd have all eight or 10 or 12 dogs on point and backing all on the same bird.
1: It'd be pretty cool. Even grandpa could get in on that.
0: Grandpa would definitely steal all the points.
1: Yeah, he doesn't back anymore. I blame that on his vision, not his nose.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, that's a really great suggestion, and I'd love to do something with that. So we will try and put that on the docket and get something rolling. Perfect. Next question from Quake.GSP. I bark and whine while my mom makes me my dinner and breakfast. How can my mom help me not do this anymore? I that wanted to ask awesome. this question because we are seeing a very similar trend with our newest puppy, Thunder.
0: He's a little noisy.
1: He is like, gets that noisy whining when we're trying to feed him or do clicker training sessions. And in one of our next live videos that we do with him, I wanted to show that um, way that we're going to work through that because we've noticed it in the last couple sessions. I'm like, This is becoming worse, so we need to address it now so it doesn't become a habit. So it's a great question. Make sure to be watching for those Instagram live videos. They also will get popped up on our Instagram TV once we finish shooting them.
0: Instagram TV is a great way to keep up on all of the new content. It's a new thing that we're doing now. Um... It's been around for a little while. We've posted some stuff up and down and yada, yada, yada. But now we're going to actually be sharing all of the YouTube videos. So just like these are going to be coming. Uh, I think everything but Yawa, all of our training videos is what we talked about. will be on also thrown right up there on the IGTV.
1: Okay. Next question from underscore J rock on Instagram. And I love this question because Ethan and I always talk about what is our true purpose for doing YouTube videos and it's to help educate people and share our advice and our knowledge and all of the information that we have. So this is a great question. What do you recommend for someone who has never had a hunting dog that was trained for hunting, but wants to get one or get into hunting with a dog?
0: That, that is a really, I'm like,
1: he's going to spill
0: struggle busting it here. So that's, that's a, a really good question.
1: Yes. And I would say that the more knowledge you can have before you even start, the does better. He have,
0: does he have the dog, do you say?
1: No, he says before getting, getting, getting one or getting, getting into one. hunting with a dog. Mm-hmm. Yep, they want to get one and get into hunting with a dog. I like and it. And they've never done it. I like it. So doing your research, I mean, obviously you're asking questions and you must be watching some of our videos to get some information. That would be a really great place to start is watching some training videos, watching some hunting videos. Uh, Which
0: we have both. On our channel. We do. Mm -hmm.
1: And then also I would recommend taking a hunter safety class.
0: It's a great idea.
1: Because it's very important to be able to handle a firearm safely and hunt safely when you have a dog. And even if you don't have a dog. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Another really good one would be if you get the opportunity or if you can um, come to one of our seminars. Uh, You can come as just an observer and it gives you the opportunity to watch other people with dogs and us handle dogs and see kind of that training level. Now, I would recommend that you pick one that's more geared toward introductory stuff, yeah, like a puppy or. Which is
1: coming up in a couple weekends. We have our puppy training one in June, which would be a good option. And yes. we've got a few spots available.
0: We are open. We are able to do this unless something crazy changes in the next couple of weeks here. But um, we will have the seminar here. It is posted on our website, slash store you can go right there and see and June puppy seminar. So if you have a puppy, you're within a reasonable driving distance of us, um which reasonable to everybody is a little bit different we've seen recently, but um definitely see if you can get one of those last few spots available and Get all of the introductory stuff with your puppy, but-
1: Even if you don't have a puppy, you can just sign up as an observer to get the information. Come
0: watch, come learn. And we do
1: have another one, I think in September. one, come all. That is for hunting prep, which might not be a bad one if you can't make the puppy one to also get a pretty good- introductory idea of how these dogs are going to be utilized for hunting we
0: talk about in that one specifically how to actually take your dog and hunt we'll evaluate some different fields and discuss winds and things like that and say this is how we would you know go after this specific property to try and best utilize our dog to be a a really beneficial help in that hunting situation
1: And then my last recommendation would be try and find a mentor of some kind that could help you. Uh, Somebody that has dogs, a similar breed that you're interested in getting would be beneficial as well so that they have a similar hunting style. Um, And maybe you can even tag along in the field for a few hunts. You wouldn't be hunting. You wouldn't be shooting anything, but you'd be able to watch them hunt, see what they're doing, watch their dogs work. Something like that would be really beneficial, somebody that you can ask questions of as well and have kind of a one-on-one relationship with.
0: Who is That can um,
1: take you under their wing.
0: Under their wing. Who is that, uh, who has the mentor program? Isn't there somebody that set this up? I I think it was, uh, I think it's a Project Upland thing that they were talking about. Catering to well, maybe they were just talking about. catering I know catering that a more lot of a organizations
1: are talking about like the three R's of recruitment, retention, and what's the other word? Um, I don't know. Pheasants Forever does that. I know Navda organization does a lot with trying to bring they new do people. A lot of
0: stuff all together, these organizations
1: yeah. that have dogs and hunting-based ideals are under the. We all know that the sport could die out if we don't bring in the right people to continue it, which- And introduce yes, them,
0: right? I mean, I think yeah. that there is really, there really has been boundaries put up. Um, a lot of uh, hunters, bird dog people, um, some of them, let's go, a majority of them can be guys. And a lot of guys can get some, ooh, let's go with, they can be arrogant assholes. And- um, I mean, this is being serious, you know, and it it becomes more of a, like, I don't want to go with them because they're just going to make fun of me because I don't know what's going on. You know, I mean, there's a lot of that teasing and making fun and poking fun rather than saying, hey, we get that you don't know how to do this. And we would love to bring you along to show you because hunting is such a huge part of my life. And, um, you know, it's not just about killing. It's about camaraderie and getting to work with the dogs and being out
1: in the outdoors. I, I don't want to
0: say in nature, but in it, outdoors, it is part of that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, um,
1: especially for people that have to sit in an office all day. Like this is what they live for getting that opportunity to be outside working with their dogs.
0: 100%. So <laughs> it's, uh, looking for a mentor is a great idea. And I think that a lot more people now are more open to that and realize that being a mentor is a good way to continue to grow, um, the hunting community, as opposed to watching it continue to diminish and move toward the direction of, you know, electronics and other electron or it would be the word like digital, the digital phase. I mean, everything is based around sitting in front of a computer
1: and not getting out there. And this is a great way to do that. So very Good good question. Uh, this was a question that was asked by a couple of people, and we are in that.
0: One, one last caveat with that. <laughs> okay, oh, come on now.
1: That's fine. It, I just thought just, you were going to tell me I couldn't ask one more question. No, one
0: one more caveat with it. Just um, if you you are looking for somebody, we talk about mentors. We know a lot of people have a lot of connections around the United States. If you get with us, shoot us a message, and we can maybe help. Um, find somebody that's in a general vicinity. Yeah, and even or if connect they don't... you with
1: a network of people yes. that have a passion yep. for the outdoors and for hunting and for dogs that would be a good group of individuals for you to connect with.
0: Reach out, we're here to help.
1: Um, okay. Now that he's not cutting me off for my last question, uh, I was
0: like, I'm sorry. Now we have to cut you off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, we do not. Um from green I got the button from Greenhouse Kennels what do you use for flea and tick on all your dogs this is a good question i think it was seconded by somebody else and it's that time of year where the ticks are coming out if they Ooh. haven't already who so let the
0: ticks out who we Ooh. use
1: brevecto for flea and tick prevention with all of our dogs it's an the brevecto that we use is an oral tab that they eat
0: but why cat why not just Put the stuff on their back.
1: Because it's so greasy and icky and sticky and I don't like it.
0: Okay. Why not use a tick collar?
1: Well, I don't really like the tick collars because every time I go to reach for a dog, I happen to grab a hold of that tick collar and pop it right off there, sir. And then I'm like, I got to put this back on. Um, They do work well, those tick collars. I've heard. We don't use them on our personal dogs, so I can't technically speak for that. But
0: I've heard people like them; that they're pretty, pretty effective. Yeah,
1: but for me, I'm always reaching down for dogs and training and stuff, and then they're falling off. Um, And so what I typically end up doing is zip tying to the dog's flat the collar, inside of the flat collar, yeah. But then they're zip tied to the inside of the flat collar. So then when you have to take the flat collar off to give a bath or do whatever, then you gotta undo the zip ties. So. for me and with all of the dogs that we have in our own home and in the kennel, I prefer an oral chew. And I like the three month ones because it's less that I have to worry about and think about Can put it on a schedule and make sure that they're getting it every three months.
0: Yeah, and we never have any issues with ticks. I mean, I don't remember the last time I've seen a tick on a dog. for
1: us, with our dogs, because we do have a breeding program, it is safe for us to give to our moms who are pregnant or nursing, so we can do that without any worries. Um, The one thing that we can't do is like our newest little puppy, Thunder. He's a little guy. He's going to be growing pretty darn quickly. And so I don't have uh, an oral three months that I can give him because his weight's going to change so fast that there's a chance that he's out of that weight range too quickly. Um, So once he is 44 pounds,
0: it's pretty easy.
1: It's pretty easy because that range for the Brevecto is from 44 to 88 pounds. And I know
0: with our short hairs,
1: none of them are going to be over 88 pounds. So once he's at 44 pounds, he can just get on the Brevecto schedule with the rest of our dogs. So that was a great question. And I don't think that I have time for another one. So I'll try and squeeze in a few more in part four.
0: Thanks for watching. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. And the red light's on.
1: So, that means we are back for part four of this week's Yawa. Yawa. Our final part.
0: Questions. Let's go. Chop,
1: chop. Chop, chop. Okay. We have no announcements. Just questions. If you want announcements, check out part one, two, and three. If you want answers, check out part one, two, and three, and four. (laughs) So... From Brian Alvery on Facebook. How do you teach your guys, your guys, how do you teach your dogs to drink out of a water bottle?
0: Hmm. If they're thirsty and the water is coming out of the bottle, usually they're pretty excited about it. The key but to really, that whole... you just
1: You just pick up on the cheek right here, squirt the water across their tongue and cheeks and mouth, and they'll just lap it up. I should have had a water bottle. It would have been way funnier just
0: saying i'm glad you tickle yourself um the (laughs) the biggest thing would be to make sure that you are shooting the water across their mouth not down their mouth there's a much greater chance that they could especially if they're hot aspirate suck a bunch of water in those lungs and uh shooting across allows them to use their tongue to pull the water back in at appropriate amounts so
1: good question Next question, and I think this one's kind of funny because it's about a Shiba- Funny
0: ha-ha or funny funny, ha
1: Funny because it's about a Shiba Inu, so that's why it's funny. From Fang are those really like, dogs? I don't know, actually. Go- producer, Google it. Um,
0: Shiba Inu?
1: Fang Konglor on Instagram. I have a one-and-a-half-year-old Shiba Inu. I am starting to teach him to retrieve for fun and to let some energy out. But while training, he stays down the hall and kills the bumper. <laughs> Do you have any advice to help me stop him from killing the bumper and to have him bring the bumper to me? So this is not actually um, funny. I'm not making fun of you. Please don't think that. Um, but our little puppy loves killing everything right now. And we call killing it because oh, it's like. They're
0: cool dogs. Check that out.
1: That's the curly tail.
0: Mm-hmm. Curly tail. Not, not really wrinkly. I was thinking of a different dog. It kind of looked like uh, a teddy bear, though. I mean, teddy bear ears and then curly tails, Um, but very athletic, very... Muscly, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: So um, our little puppy likes to grab onto toys and bumpers and just shake them really much, which is what we call it, killing it, because I thought that was funny. So um, something that you can do is throw a little check cord on your dog, even in the house, down the hallway. um, So when they go down the hall and they're just shaking their bumper, you can give them some little tug, tug, tugs, heading their little feet back in your direction uh, to keep them moving so that they can't lay down and chew on it or even kill it. That would be my recommendation, but that's really fun that you're doing that with your dog. Next question from Odenbach on Instagram. How long in advance should you put in an application for a puppy? Do you have a wait list?
0: Yes, we do. Right now, the wait list is approximately two years. We're taking deposits for 2022 Currently, today is uh, June 1st, so if you're watching this six months from now, it will probably have changed. The best thing to do, though, is to reach out to us, shoot us an email. Um, If you're interested in um, the current information about our litters, check out our puppy page on our website. There's a puppy purchase agreement that talks about everything there. Um, Go over that, get with us, then we want to talk to you about your wants, your goals, your needs and a dog, and then see if we have a good fit for you.
1: And if you go to our upcoming litters page, that will typically be where we're saying what we're accepting deposits for. So even though I have my 2020 litters announced right now on our litter page, I say at the top that we're currently accepting deposits for our 2022 wait list. So it's a good place. Our website's always a good place for uh, finding out information like that.
0: Yes, and then definitely if you're interested, reach out, we wanna talk to you.
1: Next question from Blue Mountain Pointers on Instagram which I like this because it's also talking about puppies. Uh When you guys do decide to bring another pup into your program from another breeder, do you usually stick with previous breeders and pedigrees you've dealt with, or do you look for other programs that are out there? I have two female GSPs and I'm wanting to bring in a male into the mix in the next couple of years and would like to know your thoughts on sticking with previous breeders or expanding to different pedigrees. Truly appreciate what you guys do and help others that enjoy the same things you do. Oh, well, thank you. It really depends what we're looking to add to our breeding program and why. Um, Sometimes we've worked with specific pedigrees before and we see exactly what they are potentially looking to add to our program. And we're like, well, I don't know if we exactly got what we were looking for in that instance. So we try and look for something different next time and we wouldn't necessarily go back to that specific breeder. However, there's other times where we're like, man, they produced a really awesome. Puppy, for example, Quest, I want to just Mm -hmm. throw out there. We absolutely love Questy Pup. She's from Wyoming. um, Outlanders. Outlanders Kennel. And we've talked with Cheryl before about the potential of even working with some of her, you know, stud dogs or frozen breedings to maybe go back to quest with because we do really like what we've seen out of her. So going back to something that Cheryl has is definitely something that we have in mind for our future. Uh, Not anytime real soon because we've kind of got a lot of puppy stuff going on right now, Um, but it's definitely something that's in our frame of mind to look at. So yes, sometimes we'll go back to previous breeders or sometimes we'll have learned something from that opportunity of getting another dog from a program and we go, They aren't quite exactly what we were looking to add, or they were a little bit different than what we thought they would be, and we want to not do that again. 100%. Because I think this is something that Ethan and I have stressed before, but I always think it's a good thing to stress. We are not kennel blind, and what we mean by that is we don't just say, well we have got a dog from this kennel before, or we've produced this before, so we're just going to keep doing it, and I'm going to put blinders on to what that puppy truly is. We are wanting to improve the breed. We are wanting to move our breeding program in the direction that we want of creating versatile hunting companions that don't lose the bird dog side of it when the prey drive gets too high. Uh, But we also don't want to lose the prey drive if that bird dog and stuff gets too high and lose retrieving desire and water love. So it's a balancing act. But we also say, hey, this litter isn't what we want to produce anymore. So we're going to change things up and we're going to maybe eliminate a dog from our program so that we can continue harnessing what we are trying to produce.
0: Make the hard decisions to go, you know, this isn't ultimately the direction we want to go and move on.
1: Yes. This is a good question, too. Okay.
0: okay. I'm trying, oh yeah, we I'm got trying got to plenty check time
1: and see if I got enough. Yeah. GSP underscore fly fishing. Best of both worlds. I've never been fly fishing, but someday. On Instagram, how about a dog with a proper gun and bird intro and a good first season? Do you see dogs regress beyond foundational points like gunfire? If they have a strong prey dive, but more than likely won't be around gunfire until next season, have you seen this being a problem?
0: Uh, Almost never. Almost never. I think that um, gunfire is a big issue that... Uh, if you have issues with gunfire, I believe it's almost exclusively related to a dog that's not mentally stable. And if you've gotten them to the point where they understand those things, they've hunted, they've done the things. Uh, we're not going to. There's been very few times that we see a regression, unless there's some kind of catastrophic event in their life that you know would be. I, I, I don't even know. Um, a fireworks show goes off. And it startles them maybe for a second. And then they run into something, hurt themselves. That becomes this complete chaos of pain and noise and all the things are and associated fear. together. Yeah. Yeah. And fear. And it, it, that could be, I mean, some kind of crazy event would have to happen. But for the most part, uh, no, I would not expect any kind of regression no. in that.
1: Uh, The one caveat I will say is if you've had your training and intro stuff and you go hunting, but you never run into any birds or shoot anything,
0: sure, that's not truly a
1: hunting season. So yeah, you could run into, you know, some issues because they haven't had any exposure for almost two years before their next hunting season. So this is a really good question from Sheila.S underscore pets on Instagram. Okay. And this is something that we had just talked about the other day.
0: I'm interested now. What is it?
1: I've used two other head harness brands. I use them Um, as directed. They always leave a mark on the top of the nose from where the dog still pulls. I foster senior English pointers and am having a really hard time with leash training on my current foster dog. What are you doing? (laughs) Does y'all's collar and leash have a mark, leave a mark on the top of the nose when they pull like other head harnesses? He's still trying to unplug our audio equipment. Um, So the reason that I said this is a good question and looked at Ethan and said, hey, we just had this conversation is because we had our training seminar this last weekend with a group of people out and somebody had a wonder lead, I believe.
0: Uh, Yeah, yep.
1: And Ethan's like, huh, this is the first time I really handled one of these. They're pretty darn abrasive. And I said, yeah. And I've heard from other people that, that, you know, there's all these other harness style, halter style leads out there. I said, we should do a video where we get one of each and do a comparison across the board because we really love our easy lead design and how it works when used properly. And I think it would be really good for other people to see why it works and how it actually truly works differently than some of these other brands. Um, But
0: And it's not going to be a bashing video. It's going to be a fair comparison of what each is and their advantages and disadvantages. But after getting to actually utilize the Wonder Lead, it makes sense to me why every single person I ever see use one wears leather gloves while they handle it.
1: Because it's very abrasive. And if you would think about that on the dog's, even the neck, it could be very wearing. Um, But no, like Ethan said, it's not going to be a, you know, bashing fest about why our lead is truly the best. And we will do a fair as unbiased as we can, since it's our lead comparison, where we can say, this is what they are. This is why we still like what we like, or, Hey, this lead also has value and talk about that.
0: 100%.
1: To actually answer your question, Sheila. And I think it's great what you're doing by rescuing senior English pointers. Yep. English pointers. Um, and giving them a good rescue home. So if the lead is used properly,
0: good words,
1: It should not leave wear marks. The problem that people every once in a while run into and ask us, they're like, hey, it's kind of wearing on the top of the dog's nose. And we ask for a video. I'm like, well, how are you using it? And then we see how they're using it. And it's being used improperly. One, it's either on backwards. So the release of tension never happens. Two... The dogs are, or the people are truly just using the easy lead as a pulling management system. Yeah. So there's constant tension and pressure on that collar or on that lead. And it and slows
0: the dog down and they enough go. Enough to not oh, feel like they're so being much pulled better. constantly.
1: Yep. But it's not truly harnessing and working on the healing behavior like it was intended. With a pressure on and pressure off system. Where when the dog's not healing properly, that pressure comes on, but it should be minute and um, fairly quick pressure on and get pressure off immediately um, when they get back into a proper healing position. So if used properly, it should not create wear. Definitely reach out to us if you get one and are having issues. We would love to help you work through that.
0: The other side of it is the material itself is not only very durable, but it has a softer and a very smooth type of finish to the, the so actual poly material. So it's not abrasive at all, not zero feels soft in your hand, but at the same time, it's got that um, nylon rope that runs through it that makes it very, it doesn't stretch. It doesn't give any other way. So, so it's
1: really springy. So that tension and pressure comes off very easily when used. Yep. So you think about
0: something that wants to spring kind of back to straight. If you put tension on it, as soon as you release that tension, it goes back to try And that's how it works really, really, really well for the the pressures applied. And then as soon as you release the pressure, there's there's nothing there because it tries to completely spring open to nothing, so. Yes. Straight. We got time.
1: Okay, just checking because you're my, like, question oh, Nazi yeah. over here. Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah. We got time.
1: Last question, probably. From Luke.Hoffecker on Instagram. At what point... Hi, I like your pun. Uh, Do you train differently when you want a dog to point till wing and shot? And this is a good one that we can end on because we're doing hatches series right now. what
0: point do you want to get your dog steady wing shot, basically?
1: Yeah. When do you start training differently to get your dog to point through wing and shot?
0: Perfect. So um, it's a really, really, really good question because there are a lot of things that we consider prerequisites to beginning steady wing shot fall, steady release, steady until you send them however you want to refer to it, Um, which needs to be another video talking about how terminology terminology is not consistent in the bird dog world, which can be very confusing for people that are coming in. Talk about force breaking a dog. Well, force breaking it to what? What does that even mean? We don't know. So um, we will try and put together a Guide to bird dog-isms.
1: Steadiness terminology, maybe. All of it. It's all of it. All of it. it. Yeah. All so, of it. It's going to be a really things. long
0: video. Um, but the, it's a great question. So we want to see dogs that have gone through all of our basics. And our basics are basically the, if you watch the Pointing Dog series that we have, uh, the biggest... Ones, I think we have them listed at standingstonekennels.com slash links. You can actually find the playlists, and the playlists have Rogue and Quest that show step-by-step from puppyhood on what we taught them and got them from eight weeks to killing birds over them. Then we have a few series in there that we actually show how to woe train dogs, um, and then... uh,
1: Our most recent one was with
0: Legend. Yep. Legend did a really nice job and it shows up a pretty, a pretty realistic, pretty common response for the average dog. Um, we'll probably have to at some point make one with somebody who has a terrible response to the collar because it's a totally different process but that's few and far between the reason we use the method is because it works for so many dogs
1: and rogue also we did a training portion in her puppy training and she had some quirks to it but she basically handled the same way too she did some wheelies never seen that before that was the first like what are you doing girl and it was a live video so it was like well i guess this is what we're going with
0: yeah but um uh, so we've done all of those basics and then we take the dog hunting and the key to the hunting aspect of things is when we move on to steady to wing shot and fall to release all of the things we want to make sure that the dog has a firm understanding of what the game is because in order to get steady we basically in essence take away the chase as soon as the chase comes away the dog will stand steady. So if you have
1: a dog that's gone through just the basics and doesn't have an opportunity to put all the pieces together, truly understand their role and what all those pieces meant for them as a hunting dog, then you add confusion to the process. You potentially can cause a dog to lack retrieving desire if you put too much pressure on them without that full understanding where they're like, if I don't ever get to chase, what the heck is the point? You know, I'm not going to get to retrieve. This kind of sucks. And they just kind of... Through training.
0: Well, dogs are predators. They love the chase. They love that game. And it's a great way to build boldness and confidence and everything else. So when we start to take that away, you don't have enough understanding. You can potentially develop um, resentment to the training and you can lose drive and desire around the task. So need to have all of those things. Once you get to those things, we teach again with an extremely low pressure method that is involved more around conditioning and setting the dogs up for success. It's a big part of what our program is based around. So we, we teach and develop dogs. We don't force and break dogs. And in that mentality, you have the ability to figure out how you can go about to the best of your ability to help that dog to learn the task at hand. Now, we break that into a few things. First of all, we help a dog learn how to stand wing and stand shot. That involves going backwards a little bit in training to a belly collar, Um, working through those things. Then we teach them to stop to wing and stop to shot. So that involves movement. And then once they've got to that point, we go out, We, we go back to pigeons and launchers, homing pigeons. We let them work through flyers until they'll stand those. Then we introduce gunfire. Then we move from that to shooting birds over them and then into running birds. And all of that's done with a belly collar. And once they're good at handling running birds with a belly collar on by themselves and they get confident with that, usually we're making that transition back to the neck collar and then we start running them in braces. So
1: and if you're interested in this process at all, we actually just started a new training series with Hatch and the first the video hatchky. is first video is out, which Ethan was kind of talking about already. The second video is scheduled, and we are getting ready to shoot the third video very soon. So you're gonna be able to follow along with this our entire steadiness take, series.
0: Yeah, this series will take a a normal, realistic amount of time that it takes because it's just starting now and we're posting them as we're going along, it's good. You're going to see. I mean, so, I mean, realistically, before we're actually killing birds over him and he's transitioned back to a collar on his neck, running in braces, I mean, it could be a month or two from now, depending on him. So, it's, it all depends on the dog, but you get to see a kind of a realistic timeline and we're going to show you every single step and damn near every single training session. So, you're going to be able to watch his how progression. he truly progresses in real time.
1: Yes, just like any of our puppy training videos, it's li- it's basically live. It's the first time this happens. You get to see if something falls apart, like the second video. <laughs> so check that out because it was yeah, kind
0: of funny. Uh, the second video was bad, but it Not shows- bad, but It was bad.
1: We lost a little control.
0: Uh, you're going to have to check it out. It should be <laughs> air. It comes out, what, this week?
1: Yes, this week.
0: This week. So um, definitely guys take a look at that. Thank you. I think that's all the time we have.
1: That is all the time we okay.
0: have. Thank you for joining us this week. We're out of... Uh, what is this? We're out of bubbly and we're out of time. So we appreciate you guys watching. We appreciate everyone that subscribes to the channel. We uh,
1: appreciate your questions. We
0: appreciate your questions. We have all of the appreciation. And um, because today is the day that we're celebrating our eight years in business, We appreciate everybody that has helped us get where we are today. Thank you, guys. I'm the guy with the pink gun.
1: And I'm Cat, the dog trainer.
0: We'll see you next time.